Well, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here at Westbridge. It's awesome to have you with us. Hello to everybody joining us online. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Fighting my allergies this week. Anybody else? Yeah. Woo. Hold on. <clears throat> there we go. All right. Hey, we're in a series called Foundations, and uh, the reason we do this series is because we want to get back to the basics of why we started this church and what it's all about and what are the values that we're building on to accomplish the mission that we have as a church. And that mission is helping people find and follow Jesus, that we would be a group of people who are helping other people experience the same love and grace of Jesus that we've experienced. So we want to help people find Jesus and help people walk alongside them as they follow Jesus. And so we kicked off this series the very first week and we said, um, man, the thing that moves everything forward is God's grace, that freely we have received and so freely we should give. And that the grace of Jesus rewrites the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And then last week we talked about uh, the power of community, the power of not going through life alone, the, the, the power of being in community with other people, and that none of us are meant to live life on our own, that following Jesus is both vertical and horizontal. And so it can't just be a vertical-only type of relationship. It has to be in community with other people. That's where we live out the one another's that God has given us. And so today, we're talking about our third value, and our third value is serving others. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I got to tell you, um, not too long ago, uh, just a few weeks ago, we went to, I uh, had a meeting at Dunn Brothers here in St. Michael, and love Dunn Brothers, uh, love, we got to partner with those guys and do a bunch of um, uh, help and feed people in the community when the uh, COVID first hit, and just always had a great relationship with them. But I was in, I was in uh, Dunn Brothers several weeks ago, had a meeting, and uh, got settled in, got my coffee ready to go. And no, no sooner had I sat down and we started talking, then uh, one of the employees comes by and says, hey, just want to let you guys know we're, we're getting ready to close. And I was like, you're getting ready to close? It's like one in the afternoon. And she's like, yeah, I know, we, we, we close at 2 o'clock, and I think it was like 1.30, 1.45, and, and uh, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, for a long time, Dunn Brothers had been open in the evenings and served great food and dinner and all these things, and, and so I, I was talking to the manager after, I, on my way out, and I said, what's, what's going on? How come you guys are closing so early? And she said, Wait, we just, we cannot get people to work. We can't get people to show up to work and to serve, and it doesn't matter what we do. We can't, there's not enough people to, to serve and to show up and to fill all of the shifts that we need, so we, we literally have to close because we can't find workers. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And this is a like, direct quote, we can't get anyone to show up to work and serve. It's unbelievable. And they're not alone. This is a problem nationally. If you're an employer right now, they're having to create all kinds of incentives to try to get people to show up and to hire people. And there's like hiring signs everywhere, right? And they got to come up with all these incentives. We're going to pay you lots of money. We'll pay for your college. We'll wake you up in the morning. We'll rub your feet. Whatever. Just come. And contrast that with the Church of Jesus, the largest movement of any kind in the history of the world and all across the country, churches are open, and what you'll see when you walk into a church is that you'll see people who are serving, people who show up and they're working and they're serving, and it's a bunch of unpaid volunteers serving. Can we just acknowledge that for a second, and can we just thank them, for, thank the volunteers who make this happen? Because I, I got to tell you, if you're new to church or if you're new to following Jesus and you show up to a church like ours, you'd probably think, wow, they, they probably have a pretty large staff. And most churches, including us, have a pretty small staff. 
That's just the reality. We just have a bunch of people who love Jesus and who love you and serve because we follow Jesus. And Jesus came into this world and declared that I came not to be served, but to serve. And so we have a bunch of people who have latched onto that value, who recognize what it means to serve other people. And that's amazing. And so one of the main values of followers of Jesus is that they give their their time, they give their energy, they give their efforts to serve others. And so today, I'm going to ask you, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to disguise it. I'm not going to, there's nothing clever about this. This is a shameless pitch for you to join a serving team at Westbridge. Okay, so that's what this is today. But I want to walk us through that together. I'm going to be very upfront with you. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to sign up uh, to uh, join a serving team at Westbridge if you're not already in a serving team. And I'm wearing this shirt and other people are wearing this shirt that says say yes because we want to uh, train your subconscious so that at the end of the service, this is subliminal, subtle, subconscious messaging, okay? And then at the end of service, I'm going to say, would you join a serving team? And you're going to go, I'm going to say yes. I don't know why, but I think I'll say yes. That's what we're doing. So before you grab your stuff and head out the door, before you turn off the live stream, if you're watching at home, uh, you need to know this. You were created for a purpose. You were created by God for a purpose. You are not an accident, okay? There are no accidental kids. There are no accidental people. There are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. You were created by God for a purpose, and God created you because he wanted you to be unique, and it is your uniqueness that God has gifted you in to use to make a difference in the world. And there's two messages that I hope come ringing through here, regardless of whatever topic we happen to be discussing as a church family, and whatever topic we're in, whatever the talk is, I hope these two messages come ringing through loud and clear. You matter to God, and you can make a difference. You matter to God, And your life can make a difference in the world here and now. See, you are not just put here to kind of use up some oxygen and find a job to go to, go to school, go to work, conquer your favorite video game and die, okay? Your life is more than that. God put you here to make a difference in this world. And sometimes I talk to people who uh, view themselves as excess baggage in the world. They view themselves as, you know, I'm, I'm here, but I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything that, how could God actually use me? And I want to tell you, that is not true. You are a masterpiece, uniquely designed by the creator of the universe to make a difference here in this world. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a group of people who are living in Ephesus, and he's explaining to them what it looks like to live out the way of Jesus. And here's what he says. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I want to encourage if you're taking notes, if you're at home, circle that word so on your outline. That's huge. You are God's masterpiece. He created you so that he created you in order to. He created you because he has something for you to do. You can make a difference. Now, when our kids were uh, younger and they used to do craft projects at school, which basically meant that they would take construction paper, glitter, glue, throw it in the air, and wherever it landed, that's what your craft project looked like. That's what, that's what, that's what little kids' craft projects often look like, right? And I, I remember uh, my daughter would bring it home. She'd be like, look, Daddy. And I'd be like, oh, man, I love that. That is awesome. It's a, such an awesome. Uh, she's like, it's a river. And I was like, I, yeah, I know. 
awesome river. And it's amazing that to me, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how messed up it is. It doesn't matter how much glitter gets all over the car. It's a masterpiece because she is unique and loved. And that's my girl. And so no matter what, that is a masterpiece. That's how God looks at you. That's how God looks at me. It's a masterpiece. You might be here today, and when you look at your life, you're thinking, man, overlooked, uh, not gifted. Maybe you, you think about your past, and you think addiction, or you think abused, or you think failure. Maybe you think to yourself, you know what, divorced, or unwanted, or unloved, whatever it is that you think about your life. These things that mark your life. And, and I want to tell you, that is not your identity. You were created by the creator of the universe. You are his masterpiece so that you could actually use who he created you to be to make a difference in the world. God says, I love you. I created you for a purpose. Your life matters. You can make a difference. You were made for more than just to simply exist. You can actually make a difference here in this world. And many of you are sitting here today, and and I know some of your stories. Some of you are watching online. I know some of your stories. Your marriage is better today than it was five years ago. Your relationship with your kids is better. Your kids have a strong faith in Jesus that you weren't sure was possible five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. Your financial outlook has changed. Your spiritual life has changed. You've grown. Your faith in Jesus has changed. You have peace in the midst of very difficult circumstances. You have joy that uh, from the outside looking in seems like, I don't understand why you have this joy, but something has happened on the inside of you because of the environments that we're creating here together. And so you've encountered the love and the grace of Jesus, and it's made all the difference in your life. You stepped into your insecurities and your fears, and some of you, you made serving a priority. And you look back at times that you served, and you realize, man, when you fully embrace this true life that Jesus talks about, giving your life away in service to others, and it's made a difference in your life that we had these environments for you to show up in. But I got to tell you, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. If this is what God can do with 12 people who started a church 15 years ago, imagine what God can do if every single one of us who calls Westbridge Church our home decides, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to participate. I'm going to be on the team. Imagine what could happen in the next year. Imagine what could happen in the next 10 years, in the next 30 years. Think about that. Imagine if there were zero spectators at Westbridge Church. If every one of us who called Westbridge Church our home said, I'm going to get involved. Now, if you're watching for the first time, if you're, if you're checking things out for the first time, you keep dating us. Okay. You got to figure out, okay, what kind of a cult is this? Totally get that. So you keep dating us. You keep figuring out, is this a church that I could call my church home? But man, if this is your, your church home, I want to encourage you to jump into a team. I'm becoming more and more and more convinced that God wants to do way more God wants to do way more than we could even imagine because God is using the combined efforts of the people in this room and the people online and the people who call Westbridge home to build his church, to create environments where we can invite people to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. In fact, it's always interesting to look at the kind of person that God uses. It's fascinating. When you look at the lives of people throughout the scriptures, it's amazing to see who God uses. You don't see the most reverent and the most holy and the most angelic and the most righteous and the most godly. You don't see that. You you see really 
the disturbing parts of everyone. You see their sin, you see their humanity, you see their selfishness. It's unbelievable. And here's why. God always uses ordinary people. God always uses ordinary people. Luke records a story of a couple of guys who were followers of Jesus, Peter and John, and they were speaking before this big council in Jerusalem. And when they were done, here's what it says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that. That's what makes the difference. Not your giftedness, not your education, not the amount of knowledge. It's that Jesus has marked your life. And one of the unique things about Christianity And one of the things that makes it so different from so many other religions is that in a lot of religions, it's dangerous to talk negatively about the prophet, about uh, the one that they consider to be the messenger from God, the one that's made all the difference. Like they're they're talked about with such reverence and awe. And yet in in Christianity, you read about sort of the, the heroes who carried the faith forward. And it's like, these guys? They're a bunch of failures, and and it it points out their flaws to the point that it's almost laughable. In Numbers chapter 22, there's a story recorded by about uh, Balaam and his donkey. And Balaam wouldn't listen to God, so God caused the donkey to speak out loud to Balaam to give him God's message. Now, I, I just want you to wrap your mind around that. Think about that. God opened the mouth of a jackass and gave a message. That shouldn't surprise you. That happens here all the time. In fact, you read the stories of the Old Testament prophets and key people in the New Testament, and you find yourself wondering, how did God get anything done? Look at their lives. It's unbelievable. They're a bunch of liars and deceivers and sexually immoral and selfishly ambitious and Detroit Lion fans and country music lovers. It's unbelievable. Biggest bunch of screw-ups ever recorded in history. And God uses them to do incredible things and build his church. But there is one thing that these men and women, spanning different generations and different continents, they all had in common. And it wasn't their giftedness, and it wasn't their speaking ability, and it wasn't their talents, and it wasn't their knowledge, and it wasn't their qualifications, it wasn't their abundance of resources. It was simply this. They made themselves available. God always uses ordinary people who make themselves available. God, that's how God works. At one point or another, they said, I'm available. I'm willing God, I, I, I don't feel capable. I don't feel trained. I, I can't promise this is going to go very well. I don't feel super confident that I'm going to do a great job here. But I just got to tell you, if there's something that needs to be done, if you're up to something, I want to be a part of it. And the reason that we sit here today as a church and the reason that there is a church universal is because in every single generation, in every environment, somebody has come along and just said, God, if you're doing something, I want to be a part of it. God, if you're moving, I'm in. And I don't have much to offer, but whatever I have, it's yours. I'll make it available. And folks, there is an enemy of your soul. The scriptures teach this. The apostle Paul writes this. The the authors of the New Testament tell us there is an enemy of your soul. And here's the subtle trick. Here's the subtle trap. This enemy wants to get you so busy, wants to rob you and get you, rob you of purpose. And so The enemy of your soul will get you so busy doing all the things in this life that seem good and that seem like great things, that seem good, that seem important, and you will miss out on what is best. 
And what will happen is the temptation for us, even followers of Jesus, is that we will spend our life and we will waste our life on our own pursuits instead of giving our life away, serving others, investing our life in that which will never fade away. Anything that is important to you makes it onto your calendar. I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans. He says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God dedicated to his service. And throughout history, God doesn't use who the world says is the best and the brightest. Throughout history, God has always used and always will use ordinary people who simply say, all right, God, I'm available. Use me. I'm available. And here's what happens when you do that, okay? First of all, God's grace works in you. You need to know this makes a huge difference in your own life. When you determine to live this way, it changes you. It doesn't just change others, it changes you. God's grace works in you. Jesus said one of the main reasons for coming wasn't just so that we could live and exist and just kind of go through life and then die. In fact, Jesus' main purpose for coming wasn't even just so he could rescue us from our sins, although he does that. The goal isn't just to rescue us from our sins and then we wait for the rest of eternity. Jesus promises that we can actually enter into the life that is truly life here and now, that the kingdom of God is here and we get to participate in it. And that we could identify and experience what it's like to truly live. But when we don't enter into the purpose for which God created us, what ends up happening is many of us simply become spectators in our own lives. And we're just kind of going through the motions and we're not experiencing the deep joy that comes from serving others. But when you're committed to serving others, God works in you. Something changes on the inside. Jesus said this, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. So there's something about giving your life away in service to others that you tap into the life that is truly life, that you actually tap into what it means to come fully alive on the inside. God's grace works in you. It's so counterintuitive, and it goes against the grain of what we think. Hang on to what you have. Don't sacrifice for other people, right? And, and don't inconvenience yourself, and life will slip through your fingers. But you want to find true life, then offer it. Give your life away in service to others, and you'll discover a life of greatness. And it's within the context of serving others that your true life is being built, that's where you discover this joy. And this isn't even about this church because if you decide not to get involved and you're like, eh, whatever, I just, I just like coming here, but that's not really my thing to participate in teams. That's, I can respect that. And somebody else will jump in and the church is going to move forward and we're going to keep serving people and we're going to keep reaching people. You're just going to miss out on the life and the purpose for which God created you. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to experience the joy that comes from serving others, the true life that Jesus came to offer. In fact, here's what's fascinating about this. This isn't just a, a spiritual thing. There have been studies done all over the world. There's research in different cultures that asks this question. Is there a connection between selflessness and happiness? Now, here's what I know about you that I think is true about you because I, I know it's true about me. I want to be happy. I have never met somebody that's like, nah, I really don't want to be happy. Everyone I know wants to be happy. And the research shows not only is there a connection between selflessness and happiness, there is actually a direct connection between selflessness, happiness, and health. It's actually physically healthier for you to serve other people, to live a selfless life. Selfless people live longer, healthier lives. There's a study in the United Kingdom. 
took 40 different studies over a period of 20 years and asked this question, is there a connection between happiness, selflessness, and health? 40 different studies over 20 years, here's what they found. If you volunteer consistently, not just once a year here and there, but consistently find a place to volunteer, consistently find a place to serve other people, that you have a lifestyle where you intentionally carve out time to serve others. Over 20 years, they discovered that that group of people had less depression, less heart disease, less stress, and for teenagers who consistently volunteered somewhere, less drug use and less unwanted pregnancy. And here's the other thing, and this is my favorite part. The study said, even if you have to force your teenager to volunteer, then force them to volunteer because volunteering with a bad attitude still has positive results. Isn't that fascinating? You're like, my teenager always has a bad attitude, so great, let's go. Teenagers, think about that. High schoolers, think about that. You have a healthier life when you volunteer. And teenagers who volunteer as teenagers generally volunteer and serve others when they become adults. And consequently, they reap all of the benefits that come with living that type of lifestyle, a selfless life. People who volunteer and serve others have greater psychological well-being. They're healthier mentally. They're healthier physically. They have higher self-esteem, a better quality of life, and actually live longer. Isn't that amazing? That's just backing up what the scriptures have taught us all along, that you tap into the life that is truly life. That's just confirming what Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago, that if you try to hold on to your life, you lose it, but when you give your life away, that you actually tap into the life that is truly life. And why is that the case? Because research all over the world asking different questions to different cultures all comes to the same conclusion. One of the best things you can do for yourself is not to focus so much on yourself. Think about that. That's fascinating. And many of you have experienced this because you've emptied yourself out in service to others. You've, you've shown up on a Sunday and you serve. You've shown up on a, at an event and you serve and you give your life away and it's, and it's, it's exhausting sometimes. And sometimes serving regularly is a, a bit of a grind. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And sometimes you get to a point where you're like, man, I'm exhausted. But then all of a sudden what happens is you hear a story, you recognize somebody's life was changed because of the environment that you helped create. Somebody's story, you, you hear their story about how their marriage was repaired or a relationship with their kids was repaired or they decided to finally forgive that person and, and it set them free from carrying that baggage. And you realize I was a very small part of that story. And as, as exhausted as you feel, it fills you up and you feel full because somehow you were able to tap into the joy that comes from giving your life away in service to others. God's grace works in you. And then here's what else happens. Not only does God's grace work in you, number two, God's grace works through you. God's grace doesn't just do something inside of you. It actually works through you. And it, when we make ourselves available, God takes ordinary, messed up, flawed, screwed up people, and he does miracles. God does miracles here every single week. There are miracles taking place. A, a guy named Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, writes a letter to followers of Jesus in the first century, and he says this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When you make a commitment to serve on a regular basis, on a team here, you are actually a conduit of God's grace to somebody else. God's grace does something in you, 
but then it flows through you and it makes an impact in the life of somebody else. Man, think about that for just a second. That's a miracle. You become God's hands and feet in the world when you simply make yourself available. You know what happens? God heals marriages. God brings hope to people who had no hope. God changes people's thinking about what it looks like to live in this world in love and in grace. He reveals himself to people who are searching. He heals relationships between people who are angry and hurt. He shows up to a a ragtag group of misfits and sinners and screw-ups and flawed people. And he just, his grace not only does a work in us, but it starts to work through us. And it's a miracle every single week that we get to participate in. It's a miracle that that happens. It's a miracle that people walk through these doors. It's a miracle that people's lives are changed. But the mission is too big for any one person or any one group of people. It requires all of us to make it happen. That's why we do this together. That's why we're asking you to say yes. Uh, That's why the Apostle Paul actually wrote this in Romans chapter 12. He says, as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We're not complete without your contribution. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a part of the body of Christ. We cannot function the way we were designed to function without your contribution. And yet, it's all different. The Apostle Paul goes on to say that there's different functions, different body parts that do different things. And the ear doesn't do the same thing as the nose, and the nose doesn't do the same thing as the mouth, and everything's different. But all of it contributes to the body working together to accomplish the purpose for which it was created. And when one of those is missing, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. There is no one person that can make this church run. And regardless of your role, you are a vital part of the body. There is no body part or role that we can simply live without. Without your contribution, we are not complete. And every every single weekend, you need to know this, we have people who show up here and there's people who come during the week and they fold uh, programs and they stuff programs and they get everything ready. There's people who work, uh, volunteers who work on graphic design. There's people, volunteers who work on website design. Uh, There's volunteers who uh, show up and do kids crafts during the week. There's volunteers who plan events and help us pull everything off. There's volunteers who uh, help set up chairs. Uh, There's volunteers who show up on Sunday morning and brew the coffee that you're enjoying. There's volunteers who uh, say hello to people as they're driving into the parking lot. There's volunteers who open the doors and greet people and show people where to go when they're here for the first time. There's volunteers who run all of our tech teams, run the cameras, run the online stuff. Volunteers in the band who are singing and playing instruments. There's volunteers back with the kids in in all of our kids' classrooms. Volunteers who are leading, who are sitting on the floor with your crumb crunchers. And they're high-fiving them, and they're giving them a hug, and they're showing them God's love in a real tangible way. There's volunteers right now back with junior high, middle school students, hanging out with them and showing them God's love. There are volunteers, volunteers, volunteers everywhere that you look. As a matter of fact, while I'm speaking right now, there's someone out washing my car. It's amazing. (laughs) And sometimes, if we're honest, we show up to church like kids show up to the dinner table. It's like, we just kind of show up and we're like, all right, what's for dinner? And half the time, the dinner just gets plopped in front of them at the dinner table, and then they complain about what's being served, even though they didn't have any part in contributing to actually make that happen. And if we're honest, sometimes we show up to church that way. 
We didn't, we didn't realize all of the back work that went into just pulling this off on a weekly basis. And then we show up and we critique. Like, eh, eh music was a little loud. Eh, it was a little, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really like this part of it or that part of it. And I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. I say that because I want you to be aware. The church, the church of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, does not exist to serve you. You are the church, and we exist for the world. And we have to understand that. Otherwise, what happens is we get into a very uh, self-absorbed mentality where we show up and we pull up the silverware and we're like, what's for dinner? And we never contribute to actually getting that food to the table. And after a while, if that becomes your mentality, I promise you, I promise you, it's only a matter of time before you will leave. Because somewhere along the way, we will serve something you don't like. And you'll go, eh, that's not my flavor. But that is not what the church is. The church is the body of Christ working together, contributing together. It isn't a place that is all about you if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're exploring faith, please hear me. If you're exploring faith, if, if you're watching online, you're here today, and you're trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus, I just want you to know, keep exploring. Keep showing up here. Okay, I'm talking to those of you who are followers of Jesus, and you say, man, I'm a part of the church. The church does not exist to serve you. You are the church and we exist for the world. And when we can adopt that mentality and we can actually live that out, that's what makes a difference in the lives of other people. That's how God's grace not only works in us, but flows through us to make a difference in other people's lives. So here's the, the key question that I want every single one of us to consider today. Where can I get personally involved? Where can I get personally involved? I mean, here's the idea. Uh, we love the idea of Westbridge Church. I've never met anybody who's like, yeah, I don't really, I think a church like that is just really stupid. I've never met anybody who said that. Uh, I've never met anybody who, even if they're not a church person or a Jesus person, thinks that having places like this in the community is a bad idea. I mean, I'm sure those people probably exist. I've never met any of them. And, and we love the idea of a church that says, come as you are. We love the idea of a church that says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Come as you are, because God accepts us as is. But then from there, we help each other grow and move forward to become who God's created us to be. But you can come as is because you need a starting point. I love that idea. I love that this is a church for the 80% of people who are a part of our community who are not connected to a church anywhere. And maybe they, they are completely never been to church before, or, or maybe they, they went to church and had a bad experience, or maybe they just fell away because of life. And they're starting to realize, man, I need something more in my life. Whatever that is, we know that the research shows that there's about 80% of people in our area in about a 15-mile radius who are not connected to any type of faith community. And I love that we are going to be a church that's trying to change that. There's an excitement about Westbridge Church when I talk to people. There's a sense that God is moving and doing something. I love the fact that my kids enjoy church. I love that my kids can come here and they have a place to go and they have other adults besides mom and dad who say the exact same thing to them, but it carries so much more weight. Be like, I love that they have youth leaders that will tell my teenagers, you know, here's, and they're like, you know what our youth leader said? I'm like, I said that to you yesterday. 
But there's other adults who are confirming, who are planting those seeds of God's love deep in the heart of our kids. I love that my, my seven-year-old has a classroom to go to where he's loved and he's with other seven-year-olds and, and they're teaching him what it means to follow Jesus. You at an early age that Jesus loves him, that Jesus cares about him, that Jesus can be trusted. I love that. I love the fact that a bunch of people wave to you as you drive into the parking lot. I love that. We, we do uh, surveys sometimes and we ask people, what was the most memorable thing about your weekend? And they're like, the people waving. Like, oh, that's great. Not the message. Okay, good. Nope, that's fine. That's great. I love the people, I love the fact that people hold the door open for you and say, good morning, as you walk into the building. I love that. Uh, Our goal is that by the time you get into this auditorium, 15 people have said hello to you. You're like, it's a little bit overkill. Yeah. But it's so much better than walking in and it's awkward and you're like, okay. That's all right, because we want you to know we're glad you're here. We want you here. We're ready for you. I love the fact that people check in their kids, and we have people at the doors who hand out programs. Every one of these, they're all volunteers. It's amazing. I love the fact that our music is easy to listen to and engage with and sing along with, and that it paints a a picture of the vastness of God's love and grace against the problems of our lives. And that when we come into this room and we sing together, we recognize, you know what, whatever's going on in my life, whatever problems I have that are kind of going on in in my world, when I sing and I I, I start to look at the lyrics, I'm reminded that God is so much bigger than what's going on in my life. It's a bunch of volunteers who help us pull that off. I love the fact that we don't just give a bunch of information, but that we are a community of messy people who are helping each other actually apply the things that we learn. Again, we talked about this last week. That's why groups are so important. But again, all of our groups are led by volunteers. It's amazing. I love the fact that kids learn and are loved here at Westbridge. I love the fact that this is a church for people who don't normally go to church. And, and they walk in and they're like, oh, well, this is church? Uh, wow, I mean, I could just wear whatever I want to. I, I, I can dress casual. I can be myself. I can walk in and, and uh, it doesn't feel like I'm going to the prom with Jesus. Like dudes can be a dude and come to church and you don't have to check your huevos at the door. I love that. I could just be myself and explore what it means to follow Jesus. I love the fact that nobody gets turned away at this church for any reason. I love that when I walk into classrooms, there are volunteers sitting and playing and teaching and hugging and high-fiving kids. And I love the fact that people will meet all over, all over the Northwest suburbs in smaller groups to connect with each other, to help each other grow, to put these things into practice that we're learning. I haven't met anybody who's like, I think all of that's a really bad idea. I think what we do here is a really, really, really good idea. And I think that most of you think so too. But here's the the rub, okay? Here's here's where the rubber meets the road. I want to challenge every single one of you who loves this idea conceptually of a church like Westbridge to get involved in it personally. I want to challenge every single one of you who says, I think it's a great idea. I love a church like this. I love that there's a church like this in my community. Now, I want to help you move from I love that idea conceptually to where can I get personally involved? How can I be a part of making it happen? I know you love this church. That's not even the question. We all love and appreciate what God is doing here. But if we're going to keep doing that to the level that we're doing it as our church continues to grow, all of us have a personal role to play. Every single one of us is in ministry. I happen to do it as a full-time job, but my job is to create environments where every minister who's a part of this church has a place to minister. That's every single person who calls this home. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says this, throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. Every time that you serve, 
God's grace flows in you, and God's grace flows through you to make a difference in the life of someone else. I was here this Wednesday uh, dropping off my uh, teenagers for youth group, and there's teenagers all over this place. I mean, there's 6th through 12th graders just all over the building and the parking lot. I mean, it's nuts. And they're playing games, and they're playing Gaga Ball, and they're playing Nine Square, and they've got all these crazy games going. And then there's music pumping, and they've got food, and it's such an incredible environment for students. And I look around, and I go, man, we need some more adult leaders to pour into these kids. We need some more people who will just go, you know what? I would, I would take this next school year, and I would hang out with 6th graders, or 7th graders, or 10th graders, or whatever the case may be. Where do, where do you need me? Because I know I can make a difference. And I don't... I don't feel overqualified. I don't, I don't feel very qualified at all. I don't know that I'm not confident it would go great, but I'll make myself available. We need a bunch of people serving in kids. We, we need more kids leaders on Sunday who will create safe and fun environments and who will partner with parents to set the anchor of God's love deep in the heart of our kids. And we've, got a, we've got a lot of uh, people who uh, attend one service and kids, and it's a big ask. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's, but it's not every week. It's twice a month, and you're going, you know what? For twice a month, I will, I will serve at one service and I'll attend the other. And right now what we're seeing is like a lot of people will go, I'm going to serve at first service and then I'm going to attend second service. And so we need a bunch more volunteers who will lead our kids during second service and attend the first service. Attend first service, serve second service. Well, that's you guys. You're already attending first service. Would you consider going, you know what? I could stick around second service twice a month and serving kids. Man, that would make such a huge difference in the lives of families here at Westbridge Church. We need people who will say yes to a team because we recognize the body of Christ is not complete without your contribution. Also, next week, we are going to send out 82,000 mailers to our community that look like that. This is an 8.5 by 11 mailer that's going to show up in your mailbox next week. And we're sending one to you and 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 you. 82,000 of these are going out in the mail next week. Guess who we're inviting? Everybody who lives in a 15-mile radius. Guys, we got to be ready for the people that God's going to send our way. Because this isn't about us. This isn't about the church serving us. We are the church. We exist for the world. And if we're going to invite all these people, we want to be ready for every single person that God sends our way. Every one of them is a masterpiece in God's eyes. Every one of them has a story. Every one of them is going to be looking for hope, looking for encouragement, looking for light in a very dark world. Let's be that light. Let's not only allow God's grace to flow in us, let's let it flow through us. We're sending these out. God's going to send people through our doors. So I'm asking you to say yes to a serving team today so that we can say yes to every single person that walks through these doors. And when you do, you'll discover the joy that comes when you give your life away in service to others. So say yes. Here's how this works. Right outside in the lobby, uh, hanging on the wall right behind, directly behind this wall is a whole bunch of cards. And says, these are all the areas that we need to fill in the next three weeks so that when the people that we've invited, the 82,000 homes, okay, that means that's homes, 82,000 addresses, that, and more than one people, more than one people, more than one person, words are hard sometimes, uh, more than one person lives in those houses, right? And so we're inviting upwards of 170 to 180,000 people over the next couple of weeks. We want to be ready for them. And I, I promise you, they're not all going to come, but... Some of them are. We want to be ready for them. So would you consider, 
If you're not serving somewhere already, would you consider taking one of those tags and filling it out and saying, you know what? I want to make a difference because I've experienced God's grace in my life. So I don't just want God's grace to flow in me. I want God's grace to flow through me to make a difference in somebody else's life. And when you do, you'll experience the joy of serving others. Would you say yes? I'm going to pray. And, uh, and then after this, I'm begging you. Say yes, say yes, say yes. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this opportunity that we have to partner with you. You are moving in the world. You're building your church. You promised that you would build your church. And throughout history, we've, we've seen it, that you have used flawed, messed up, ordinary people who didn't always feel qualified, who didn't always feel like they were the smartest or the brightest or uh, the most resourced or whatever, but they simply said, God, I'll make myself available. And so we just are asking you, as we make ourselves available, would you use us? Would you use us to make a difference in St. Michael and Albertville and Otsego and Hanover, Monticello, Big Lake, Elk River, Dayton, Rogers, Corcoran, Rockford? God, this whole Northwest corridor where people are looking for hope, they're looking for healing, they're looking for community. And may we, through simply our availability, May we experience your grace flowing in us. And then may we be a conduit of your grace that flows through us to make a difference in the lives of people. Thank you. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.